I'm Scott Hervey from Weintraub Tobin. And I'm Josh Escobedo from Weintraub Tobin. The new USFL has prevailed on the motion for preliminary injunction filed by the old USFL, but the judge has seemingly thrown a flag on the play. That's what we'll be discussing on this installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Josh, I read that the USFL season has commenced, and from what I can tell, they appear to still be using the IP that is at issue in current litigation. Uh, you read correctly. Uh, I've been watching the league since it kicked off on April 16th, and you're correct that the new USFL is still using the IP that's in controversy in the ongoing litigation between the new USFL and the owners of the original USFL league. The reason is the new USFL defeated the old USFL on the motion for preliminary injunction, meaning that the new USFL will have the right to continue using the IP for the pendency of the litigation. But the April 14, 2022 order wasn't all good for the new USFL. That's right. Although the court decided that the motion for a preliminary injunction filed by the old USFL should be denied, it also found that the old USFL was likely to prevail on the merits of its case. When evaluating the appropriateness of injunctive relief, the courts look at four factors, the likelihood of success on the merits, whether the plaintiff would suffer irreparable harm in the absence of an injunction, the balance of the equities, and whether an injunction is in the public interest. The court balances the factors to determine whether an injunction is appropriate under the circumstances. Here, the court found that the old USFL was likely to prevail on the merits, but it found that the other three factors, most importantly, the irreparable harm factor, weighed in favor of the new USFL. And for that reason, it denied the motion. In short, the court looked at the totality of the circumstances and concluded that the old USFL has priority over the new USFL because the new USFL failed to show that its predecessor, USFL 2011, made any commercial use of the registered marks, even though the priority date for the ITU applications preceded the old USFL's apparel deal that came later in 2011. The court also pointed out other uses by the old USFL, including a 25th reunion, an interview for an ESPN documentary, and consultations for book and film projects. Accordingly, the court found that the old USFL had demonstrated a protectable interest in the IP, and of course, it found the confusion was likely since the IP is identical. That's right, Josh. And when I read the opinion, it seemed really that the court was also hanging its hat mostly on the finding that the um, old USFL would not suffer irreparable harm as its harm really could be addressed through monetary compensation, uh, an award of money damages at a later date. Uh, the court also noted that the old USFL did delay in bringing the action and that was uh, uh, demonstrative of there not really being any irreparable harm. So even though the new USFL prevailed on this motion, uh, resulting in the motion being denied, I still think that the new USFL was actually on the losing end of this motion. Yeah, I would agree, Josh. Um, the fact that the court found uh, protectable intellectual property interest in the old USFL and basically said that the USFL, the old USFL is likely to prevail on the merits, I, that means that the new USFL is going to have to pay monetary damages to the old USFL. It, it basically means that the court has said, you're infringing their trademarks. Uh, and while we're not going to stop you from launching the league, 
uh, you're going to be shelling out some cash uh, in the form of damage awards to the old USFL. And look, maybe maybe the new USFL can introduce new evidence uh, showing that they had priority. But one would think at such an important motion uh, that both sides had every bit of important evidence before the court. So I'm going to just bet that there's not going to be any new evidence forthcoming, that the court saw everything there was to see. And so given that, um, I, you know, I, I agree with you, Josh. The, the new USFL definitely didn't, they might have won the battle, but they did not win the war. And it's clear that the court will has basically said that the old USFL is going to be the winner of this war. That's right. And with everything that's at stake, I can't imagine we're going to find out whether the new USFL can flip the judge's opinion on the merits. For starters, I agree with you, Scott. I mean, when these motions are filed, they're they're heavily litigated. They know that there's a lot at stake. And so usually you come forward with everything you have. So who knows what else there may be. But with all the money that's been invested into the new league and its promotion, uh, and so far it's been pretty successful. I just can't see the new USFL leaving it to chance. I think we're likely to see a settlement in the next six months. By all means, maybe Fox and the new USFL will choose to roll the dice and take the case all the way to trial, but I personally doubt it. Yeah, I agree with you, Josh. I don't think I don't think Fox and the USFL are going to roll the dice. That would be like throwing a Hail Mary when there's still time on the clock. They're just going to do run plays here. Um, look, I think you and I both know that this case is going to settle. Right now, it's just going to be, what's the number? And at some point in time, the parties will agree on a number. And when they do, uh, I'm sure that you'll give us an update. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Josh. Thanks, Scott. I hope you enjoyed this installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and to our podcast. And if you're interested in more content like this, please check out our back episodes and visit us at the IPLawBlog.com.